This is The Space Shot, episode 24, for June 7th, 2017. Fraunhofer Lines. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. Earlier today, NASA announced its newest class of astronaut candidates. Twelve men and women were selected out of an applicant pool of over 18,300 people. Astronaut candidates Jessica Watkins and Matthew Dominic are Colorado natives, and I'm excited to know that there are people from my home state that are going to be doing great things in the coming decades with NASA. During the announcement at Johnson Space Center, Vice President Pence also officially announced that the National Space Council will be reestablished after nearly 25 years of inactivity. Historians and space policy experts have debated the effectiveness of the National Space Council since the influence that that council wields varies with each administration. It will be interesting to see how the National Space Council operates under the Trump administration, and I'll be talking more about the history of the National Space Council and the National Aeronautics and Space Council in future episodes. A quick historical note for today. On this day in 1962, NASA leadership decided on which type of mission would be chosen for Project Apollo. There are three types of missions that were considered, the direct descent, the Earth orbit rendezvous, and the lunar orbit rendezvous. In a future episode, I'll be diving into those three types of missions in more detail. On this day in 1826, Joseph von Fraunhofer died at the age of 39. Fraunhofer was orphaned as a child, so he took an apprenticeship as a glassmaker. It was during this time that he was almost killed during a building collapse while at work, and in the aftermath of that building collapse, Fraunhofer caught the attention of Prince Maximilian Joseph, who would later become the King of Bavaria. The prince gave Fraunhofer a small sum of money, which allowed the young Joseph to buy his release from his apprenticeship. He was then able to go to school and also to buy a grinding machine in order to continue producing glass and optics. Over his career as a glassmaker, Fraunhofer was exposed to and slowly poisoned by the heavy metals that were used in the production of glass and optics. Even though he died at the young age of 39, his contributions to science were numerous and very important. He developed a new type of glass that was used in telescopes, allowing for a higher quality optic that had fewer imperfections than other types of glass at the time. The achromatic lens he designed ensured that all of the colors of the visible spectrum get focused on a single point, which produces a clearer and less distorted image. Fraunhofer also invented the spectroscope, which allows for the investigation of various parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. The part of the electromagnetic spectrum that humans can perceive with our eyes is called the visible spectrum. Visible light includes wavelengths from roughly 390 nanometers to 700 nanometers, and these different wavelengths give us all of the colors of the rainbow. During his work with spectroscopes, Fraunhofer discovered hundreds of dark lines along the solar spectrum. These lines were later shown to be atomic absorption lines some 30 years after his death. The atomic absorption lines of different elements leave unique markers, like fingerprints, that scientists and astronomers can use to identify different atoms, elements, and chemicals, among many other things. These lines are referred to as Fraunhofer lines in his honor. Astronomers use spectroscopy to study the composition of stars, planets, asteroids, comets, anything that telescopes can be pointed at. We can learn about the composition of the atmospheres of exoplanets, even though they're dozens of light years away, by using spectroscopy. One of the primary scientific objectives for the Skylab missions was the use of the Apollo telescope mount and its eight major scientific instruments. 
The telescope was designed to be a solar observatory, viewing our sun in the visible to X-ray spectrum. The large number of scientific instruments that were part of the Apollo telescope mount meant that the system required a significant amount of power on the order of 2 kilowatts, which was supplied by the four 40-foot-long windmill panels attached to the Apollo telescope mount. During observations, these solar panels were used to power the scientific instruments on the ATM, but before that, they played a critical role in saving the station when its primary solar panels were either destroyed or unable to be extended. The images that were captured by the Apollo telescope mount were recorded on photographic film. Some of the film canisters had the capacity to store up to 16,000 frames of film. And according to NASA, of the six ATM experiments that used film, over 150,000 successful exposures were obtained. Astronauts were required to perform an EVA to change out the film canisters in the ATM. Fast forward to the International Space Station today, those instruments are able to capture images and store the files digitally, eliminating the need for spacewalks and also speeding up the process of getting images to the scientists that will be studying them. The NICER instrument that just arrived at the International Space Station as part of the latest SpaceX launch is a next-generation spectroscopy mission that will study neutron stars. Tomorrow we've got some X-15 history and also a little bit about the Space Shuttle Atlantis and the STS-117 mission. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to the show. It would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes and on Google Play Music. If you know someone that loves space, history, or pop culture, please share the Space Shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Mulnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.